This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including the decisive battles of world history. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, you have a fascinating piece about the fight over entitlements. And I thought the uh, grannies and the taxpayers fight was big, but apparently inside the Republican Party, it's even bigger. Yeah, I think we're, we're looking at an issue that's likely to emerge as one of the biggest issues of the 2016 election cycle, particularly when we move to the general election, but also in the Republican primary. And it'll matter in the general election and largely because of what I expect will take place in the Republican primary. You've had a Republican party that's basically been united on entitlement reform for the better part of the past really four years. And now you're starting to see cracks in that unity uh, with different candidates or would-be candidates criticizing Paul Ryan's plan, which has sort of been the unifying element of the party and others going out in their own direction, Chris Christie, um, laying out his own entitlement reform plan. So I think you're seeing quite a few potential splits that I expect will grow worse uh, in terms of party unity uh, going forward. Well, before we get to the specific proposals and different ways to deal with it, can I ask the question that a good old-fashioned political consultant would ask, my old job, are you out of your mind? What do you want to talk about entitlements? Just let the uh -huh. Democrat self-destruct. Tell grandma you'll give her anything she wants and just get elected. Well, that would be, I think, probably the kind of advice that Republican candidates are getting and have been getting from political consultants for, for years. Uh, but in part, that's, that's one of the reasons that we're in the position we're in. Because both political parties have been afraid to take on entitlement reform, and nothing is a greater driver of the debt than entitlements, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. In fact, if you take those three entitlements and interest on the debt, that they will consume all tax revenue that comes into the U.S. government by the year 2031. Uh, that's not that far away, really. I mean, 16 years, that's, that's uh, two terms of, of two presidents. So we're not talking about a long time to deal with this issue. I think it still is a crisis. Our growing debt remains a crisis. So it's not an option for responsible elected officials, either Republican or Democrat to sort of opt out of solving the problem. You have to solve the problem. You can't even tax your way out of the problem. Uh, if you're a Democratic elected official and you say you're going to raise taxes or come up with other ways to, to, to address the problem, you've got to be more creative than that. That doesn't solve the problem. Uh, trust me, Steve, in politics, there's always another option besides doing the right thing. I guarantee you. <laughs> and so let me ask you about the results that Republicans have had. You said they're unified around kind of the Paul Ryan approach of uh, uh, slow, you know, bending the cost curve down, if you will, of changing who gets the benefits at what level across the future. How are Republicans who've been supporting this doing when they show up in front of the voters? They've been doing well. I mean, if you look at it, go back, the, the recent history of this is, I can do it in a sort of short amount of time. It's, it's fascinating. If you go back before the 2010 
presidential or, or midterm elections. You had even Republicans, organs of the Republican Party, including the National Republican Congressional Committee, which supports and funds candidates running for the House of Representatives. You had even those national organs of the Republican Party arguing against Paul Ryan, saying, in effect, what you just suggested these political consultants would all say, which is, don't touch entitlement reform. You can't talk about that. We're going to get clobbered in the election if you talk about it. And Ryan said, in effect, here's my plan. I'm going to make an argument for it. You can either like it or not. Well, after the 2010 midterm elections, when Republicans took the House, he became the budget chairman and his plan became the de facto budget or the blueprint for the budget for House Republicans. They began these tutorials, small group tutorials, six or seven people at a time with Ryan leading them with, you know, the chalkboards and the whole bit convincing House Republicans that you had to do this and you could make a political argument. Well, he eventually won the day. They passed his budget. Uh, they campaigned on it in 2012. Congressional candidates did. And then, of course, Mitt Romney picked Paul Ryan as his running mate. So the guy who was the face of entitlement reform, the riskiest political move that probably by either party in, I would say, a decade, uh, gets a spot on the Republican ticket, makes an argument. And their argument, of course, was, Barack Obama wants to take $700 billion out of Medicare and move it to shore up Obamacare, to, to promote Obamacare, and that's exactly the wrong way to reform entitlement. So Republicans went on offense, in effect, in 2012. They did it in congressional races. They did it at the presidential level. And there's not only is there no indication that it costs Republicans, if you look at polling on issue-specific questions, if you look at polling just looking at the, the percentages of seniors that supported Republicans or the Republican presidential ticket in 2012 versus 2008, it certainly didn't cost them. And you could make an argument that in some ways it seemed to benefit them. So they weathered that proverbial storm uh, and did it again in 2014 when it wasn't really the kind of issue that a lot of political experts thought it was going to be. In 2012, we saw a scenario where you had some Republicans attacking Mitt Romney and other Republicans as the party of Wall Street and, and uh, uh, making the kind of uh, you know anti-club for growth, anti-Cato uh, arguments you're used to hearing, quite frankly, from Democrats. Uh, are we likely to see that same thing happen this time around where the Paul Ryan Republicans are going to find themselves attacked by other Republicans saying, look, Grandma, he's going to take your money, not me. Yeah, I think that's entirely likely. And again, we've already seen sort of the beginnings of those kinds of arguments. You had uh, Mike Huckabee, who is, by, by all accounts, set to announce his presidential campaign on May 5th, gave an interview to a series of, of reporters or a number of reporters uh, a week, a little over a week ago. And Huckabee said he wouldn't today support the Ryan plan, despite having authored a Facebook post that, that suggested back uh, when it was being fought over that he did support the Ryan plan and said, you know, it's not he, his argument. is It's not fair for the government to have made promises to these people for all these years and then to change the bargain when you face it. And that is very similar to some of the arguments that, that you hear from Democrats. And I think Huckabee is likely to run as an economic populist, some would say an economic liberal, um, and make that argument. You've also seen this in terms of uh, governors defending their decision to expand Medicaid under Obamacare. You've seen it from Chris Christie. You've seen it from John Kasich. Kasich in particular has been, I would argue, pretty strident in his defense of his decision to expand Medicaid under Obamacare and really attacking anyone who would even suggest that there might be another alternative or that it wasn't a smart thing to do. 
So you're already starting to see the signs of this. And I think this is why when you fast forward to a general election, whether it's Hillary Clinton or somebody else, you're almost certain to see Democrats seize on that language, um, assuming that none of those folks are, are the Republican nominees, seize on that language and turn it back against Republicans in much the way that Newt Gingrich, when he called Mitt Romney a vulture capitalist, uh, later found those words in the word in, in the words of Democratic ad makers. Uh, one last question for you: Looking at what you've researched for the Weekly Standard piece about what Republicans have talked about, and then the poll results, what is the sweet spot, in your opinion, for a Republican who wants to be the next president of the United States? both solving a problem that's real for people in our demographic who I got to tell you Steve I assume that social security won't be around for me just look at the math right. it shouldn't be but also for the voters who are really likely to vote on the issue of medicare and uh, social security what's the sweet spot well i think you saw it largely throughout the 2012 cycle where you had paul ryan or or others who spoke about this issue every single time they talked about it they said this will not affect current recipients that was the first sentence in all of these things. And then they followed it up by saying, in effect, but if we don't do something at some point, it's going broke and it will, it will, uh, it could potentially ruin the country. I mean, it's a crisis, a national crisis. And then sort of walk people through in a methodical way uh, how you intend to solve that crisis. In the case of Paul Ryan, uh, in terms of Medicare reform, he would offer premium support, not, not vouchers per se, but uh, pre support from the government that would go to insurance companies that would help people pay their premiums, um, give them an option. He later added an option to keep people in current Medicare. That would be one of the choices. Uh, I think his, his argument was not many people will, will use that choice because it's a broken program. Uh, but I think that's the way that, that you argue it. And then the other thing that, that both Paul Ryan did and Marco Rubio, when he ran in 2010 for the Senate, uh, talked a lot about Social Security reform, and he said, as Ryan did when he talked about his Medicare reforms, I would do nothing to hurt my own mother. These were talking about my parents. I'm not going to pass a plan or promote a plan that would hurt them. And I think if you lead with that argument, sort of personalize it for voters, and then you also say, we're not going to touch uh, the, the benefits that current recipients have earned, but we are going to reform the program, that sort of is the sweet, uh, sweet spot. I think that was a pretty effective way at least judging from the results, to make that case. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us on this and this great new article in the Weekly Standard. We appreciate it. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.